Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Between recording the next episode of my podcast, running a business, and all of the things life throws my way, sometimes it's good to just get away. Hola, ¿qué tal? It's Chiquis here. And let me tell you, I love booking a trip where I can escape. There's nothing like spending a few days at the beach, relaxing and spending time with family. No matter what kind of traveler you are, and no matter your reasons, the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Before we jump in, we must warn you this episode contains explicit content such as sexual abuse, that may be disturbing to some people. Listener discretion is advised. Samuel was born on February 14, 1937, and he was dead. Y cuando nace el 14 de febrero, pues nos platicaban en la historia que nació muerto, ¿no? At that very moment, Aaron took him into his arms and presented him to God, and the child came back to life. Sharim Guzman remembers hearing the stories of the Apostle Samuel's miraculous rebirths many times over while growing up in La Luz del Mundo. We're also told that on another occasion, Samuel fell into a well, died, and when they lifted him out of the well, he came back to life. Samuel's rebirths were just one of the many miracles the apostles of La Luz del Mundo were blessed with. There were visions of paradise, prophetic dreams, and special protection from evil, the devil, and sin. But miracles didn't just happen to the apostles. They could also perform them. Like the time Sochil Martin's aunt drank bleach as a young girl. My grandmother starts to flip out. And she tells my grandfather, and he's like, no, we take her to the emergency room. And she's like, no, 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 we're going to take her to the Apostle of Jesus Christ, and he's going to bring her back to life. The Apostle healed her with prayer. The Apostles' prayers are considered the source of all blessings for the flock. If you have a good job, it's the Apostles' prayers. If you have healthy children, it's the Apostles' prayers. If you have good sex, it's the Apostles' prayers. This belief in the Apostles' miracles among LLDM members is so strong that when Samuel finally did die 
at the age of 77. Followers like Sharim Guzman refused to believe it. Murió a la muerte y llegó a la vida dos veces. Entonces ese día, cuando él ya se había muerto de verdad. To us, Samuel had already come back from the dead twice. So the day he died, the hope was that he would come back to life, just as Jesus Christ had. People were jumping to their own conclusions about how he could return. And some even offered the lives of their own children in exchange for a minute of Samuel's life. The believers waited days, even weeks, for Samuel to rise again. Believers prayed on the floor of the temple next to the coffin. They cried underneath the church at the entrance of his mausoleum. His presence had become so towering, so all-encompassing, they could not believe he was just gone. If Jesus had resurrected, why not Samuel? He was, after all, the closest thing to God on earth. This special connection between the apostles and God, that God himself had chosen them and would allow his might to flow through them, was used to first gain followers, then keep their hold over the congregation. It was the founding myth of La Luz del Mundo. If you're not inside the church, the miracles sound fake, phony, easily dismissed. But when you live in the world of La Luz del Mundo and believe in the Apostle, these miracles and the Apostle's divinity are very, very real. This is Sacred Scandal Season 2, La Luz del Mundo, and I'm Roberta Garza. La Luz del Mundo is not just a church. As we learned in previous episodes, it's a powerful and powerfully corrupt transnational institution with strong connections to Mexico's political elite. This episode explores how the church gained so much power, money, and influence, one miracle at a time. This is Episode 3. The election. LLDM had humble beginnings. Before the apostle was named Aron, he was known as Eusebio Joaquin Gonzalez, a foot soldier in revolutionary Mexico, living with his young bride, Elisa, in Monterrey. We'll hear more about Elisa later. The couple had recently converted from Catholicism to Evangelical Christianity after meeting a pair of wandering preachers, who spoke of fantastic visions and miracles and took as many wives as King David. Intrigued, the newlyweds left the army to serve the preachers. But then, about a year after their conversion, something fantastic happened. One night in April 1926, Eusebio was asleep in his bed with his wife. He awoke to a thunderous voice, and the shimmering white hand pointed right at him. The voice said, Your name will be Aaron. I will make it known to the world, and you will be a blessing. Brilliant, multicolored stars spelled the name Aaron across the heavens, fading into the dawning day. He had been visited by God, or so he claimed. The vision convinced the man newly named Aaron and his wife Elisa they had been touched by something special. Within a week, the couple left their evangelical teachers and began wandering south 
through the Sierra Madre Mountains, trekking over 500 miles in search for a place to build their own Jerusalem. The couple eventually made their way to Guadalajara, arriving on the feast day of the Virgin of Guadalupe, and preaching to anyone who would listen about Aaron's divine connection. In LLDM, this vision is known as the election. It's the Church's origin myth, the central tenet of its faith, and the foundation from which the Apostles' unquestionable iron rule would spring. Here's how former LLDM deacon Joel Silva remembers it. Not theology, not high doctrines of uh, resurrection or judgment. No, no, no. They spend 99% of the time teaching about the election, the privileges of being elected by God directly. We can neither confirm nor deny these miracles, and it seems neither can the apostles. Nasoni, one of his uh, preaching, said, I can't say a dead body, stand up. Yo puedo. I can tell a paralytic guy, uh, walk. But God didn't send me to do that. Yo le puedo decir al paralítico, camina! Pero yo no vengo a salvarle a carne. I'm not going to do it because God didn't send me to do that. He sent me to save your souls, not your bodies. A mí Cristo no me vino a salvar la carne. A mí Cristo me vino a salvar tu alma. The story of Pharaoh's vision, that he was chosen by God, was convincing enough to gain him a small following. This was 1920s Mexico, and new religious movements were popping up all the time in the wake of America's evangelical revivalism. Still preaching under his teacher's Pentecostal banner, Aaron sold shoes and Bibles door-to-door -door, while the rest of his flock sold fried food in the streets of Guadalajara. But Aaron and his congregation were not welcomed by their staunchly Catholic neighbors, and the group faced constant heckling and harassment. His higher-ups at the Church of the Good Shepherd, back in Monterey, were not happy with the group either. As a pastor, Aaron often strayed from the doctrine and he did not live modestly or behave humbly. He was chastised because he asked for perfume to be sprayed where he walked and flower petals to be thrown at his feet. He was criticized for presenting himself like a demigod. Anthropologist René de la Torre is the leading expert in LLDM's lore. She explains how Aaron transformed himself from humble pastor to a full-blown divinity. What changed? The moment was exactly 1942, when he broke from the evangelical church, and from then on he began to project his figure as semi-divine. Two decades after he first converted, Aaron broke away from his church, acting, again, on a vision. God appeared to Aaron, denounced his former pastors as greedy, envious, corrupt, and ordered him to get baptized again. This time, though, Aaron would do what not even Jesus did. He baptized himself. 
And this is the moment when Aaron fully became the Apostle of God. The one person on earth able to open or close heaven and hell for the rest of humankind. Newly minted Apostle Aaron not only rebaptized himself, he also changed the church's main feast, the Santa Cena, into a full on celebration of himself. He moved it from December to his birthday in August and added pageantry and mandatory gifts. Aaron was really going off the doctrinal script. These moves were not without some controversy. About 200 of his followers left but the rest of his five or six hundred acolytes remained by him and followed in his footsteps, being rebaptized by the Apostle's hand. And soon, they would help Aaron build his own holy city, one where they would be saved from the heckling Catholics and free to praise as they pleased. In a stroke of luck, Aaron's old army commander-general became governor of Jalisco. With the governor's generous help, Aaron acquired an abandoned hacienda, close to 40 acres of sparse land at the outskirts of Guadalajara. The land would become his personal fiefdom, an evangelical utopia where no leaf is turned without the Apostle's blessing. It would be known as Hermosa Provincia, or Beautiful Province. Having felt firsthand the rejection and hostility of the community around him, he wanted to found a settlement apart from the world at large, a fabled shining city on a hill, where mundane society would have limited reach and only Christ, through his apostle, would rule supreme. More on that after the break. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hola, ¿qué tal? This is Cheekies from the Cheekies and Chill podcast. For whatever reason, or absolutely no reason at all, sometimes we all just need some time to turn off and get away. A lot of times on the My Cultura podcast network, our storytellers share their adventures and tips for living our best lives. And why not? With the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card, you can easily check off all those dreamy destinations. Como la playa que viste en ese show or climbing that mountain on your screensaver. I see you. No matter what kind of traveler you are and no matter the reason, the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. 
Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. The apostle led his flock to a settlement just outside the city of Guadalajara, Hermosa Provincia. In this new sanctuary, Aaron was able to consolidate his power, and he was able to perform miracles, of a sort. In post-revolutionary 1940s Mexico, land was hard to come by. The nation was rebuilding itself. Strongmen ruled over a struggling federal government and farmers and workers had been displaced by the never-ending wars. But Aaron, having access to a bunch of land, was able to provide his followers with homes, jobs, community, and salvation. Hermosa Provincia quickly became a hot ticket. The lots were sold exclusively to church members at reduced prices. The faithful flocked. But there was a catch. If you left the church, you lost your job and probably your home. And commitment to LLDM was not a casual affair. There would be no private life, no time away. Work, schools, friendships, courtships, marriages, leisures and interests, even hairstyles and dress codes, were governed by LLDM's increasingly strict rules. And if he controlled every moment of his followers' lives, there would be less time for them to question if his connection to God was real, or if the rumors that he was a pedophile who'd gotten his 12-year-old stepsister pregnant were true. Ellos trabajan, ¿verdad? Para esto hay que ver que, que la secta ha vivido en el ojo del huracán siempre. The cult has lived in the eye of the hurricane ever since Aaron in 42, when they accuse him of being an adulterer, that he read little girls, they're used to living in the eye of the hurricane, right? So for them, there is one, one thought. No one is going to come to us to tell us who the servant of God is. We know him. We know who he is. And for us, he's honorable, even if the news says otherwise. Hector Vera was a high-ranking pastor in LDM during the 1980s and 90s. He watched the church grow under our own son and successor, Samuel. He saw firsthand how Samuel continued his father's legacy, his divinity, but also his corruption and his sexual abuses. Fue un cambio tremendo. Yo viví los ochentas, yo viví los noventas. I lived through the eighties. I saw the growth. I saw when they began to build the great temple in Guadalajara. I saw Samuel's enthusiasm, the support that all his constant encouragement gave. Although he wasn't, he wasn't, but he urged the ministers to be holy, to be clean. Hector remembers how Samuel and Aaron, who he calls by their family name, the Joaquins, made their followers feel like they were part of something special and sacred. Los Joaquines, ¿verdad? Son, son muy queridos y muy respetados. Yes, the Joaquins truly are very beloved and very respected. Any of them, all of them, for the church, for the cult, the Joaquin family is very powerful. Samuel was Aaron's youngest son, and it was not obvious he would take over. When asked about a successor, 
Aaron was vague, loosely referencing his revered and loyal elder pastors. But when Aaron died in 1964, his wife Elisa Flores had other plans. She spread a rumor saying that right before his death, Aaron dreamt his pastors appeared with the face of a monstrous hyena, ravenous like wolves. Elisa reminded everyone of Samuel's birth, that his father had raised a stillborn child to the heavens, crying, Samuel, 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 when suddenly the child took a deep breath and began to cry. The crowning moment came when the apostle's body was laid in the wake at the feet of the temple's altar, and the tearful flock bawled, tore at their clothes and pulled out their hair. At that moment, Samuel's sister took her father's hand and pulled off Aaron's seal ring. She raised it for the community to see and slid it onto Samuel's finger, saying, Israel's lamp has not gone out, it is lit and shining forth. Samuel then stepped out and told the mourners he had dreamt himself, reading the apocalypse, the part where the angel of God cleanses the earth when the almighty voice interrupted him to say, that angel is you. At 27, just like that, Samuel became the second apostle. Like his father, chosen by God, and as apostle, he would flex that power to its fullest extent. When we return, how Samuel built a holy empire through unholy alliances. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hola, ¿qué tal? This is Cheekies from the Cheekies and Chill podcast. For whatever reason, or absolutely no reason at all, sometimes we all just need some time to turn off and get away. A lot of times on the My Cultura podcast network, our storytellers share their adventures and tips for living our best lives. And why not? With the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card, you can easily check off all those dreamy destinations. Como la playa que viste en ese show, or climbing that mountain on your screensaver. I see you. No matter what kind of traveler you are, and no matter the reason, the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. 
Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Samuel's apostleship was not guaranteed. The fight that ensued between the church's elders and him was fierce. In order to maintain control, he needed to find a way to keep his followers in check and prevent information from leaking out. So he wanted to create his own group that was totally loyal to him. A group that could keep everyone in lockstep and reported only to him. And he accomplished creating this group called the Unconditionals. The Unconditionals were young, the majority of them, some close to his age, others younger than him. But he uh, wanted a group of pastors that were totally loyal to him. The Unconditionals. The Apostle Samuel's most trusted inner circle. Some call them the Aaronites. Their existence is strongly denied by the church to outsiders. Joel Silva was one of them. Well, I never wanted to be an unconditional. No, but uh, Samuel called you. He ordered you to be an unconditional so you cannot deny the will of the apostle. So I became an unconditional for Samuel. And when I was requested that blank page signed, I didn't uh, did it. Yo firmé varias hojas en blanco, ¿verdad? Hojas en blanco porque fui incondicional. Several. I signed several blank sheets. Yes, blank sheets, because I was an unconditional. A signed blank page may not seem like a big deal, but imagine if someone had the power to create any type of document, such as an accusation or an admission of guilt or the petition of a mortgage or a will, and then print it on the blank page you just signed. They could manipulate it and use it against you however they wanted. And that was the point. Here's former pastor Hector Vera again. Se nos decía este, ¿verdad que si estábamos dispuestos a cualquier cosa? Si el siervo de Dios nos nos manda hacer algo. They ask me if I was willing to do anything. If the servant of God commands us to do something, we're going to say yes. We're not going to think about it. Even my ex-wife told two of my children that she was unconditional. She let them know she was willing to kill to defend Samuel. One of the first things Samuel did was use his secret police force to increase the feeling that he was an omnipotent, divine being. He was able to establish this vast network of informants who were willing to put him above their own friends and family. The unconditionals act as spies for the apostle, reporting on anyone who isn't following his rules or being loyal to him. Había un discurso que te empezaron a decir, es que qué barbaridad. There was a saying they began telling everyone that was just cruel. They would say that Samuel sees everything. Samuel can see not just when I have sinned or have made a mistake, but he can also see my desires. He can see it all. Not only can he see into your homes, but also into your conscience. LDM members were taught that every time they thought or did something sinful, they would be somehow immediately punished, because Samuel had the power to do so. With this network of informers, LLDM's members often spend their whole life tiptoeing around their own thoughts and actions, just to avoid displeasing Samuel. 
Sharim Guzman knows this feeling all too well, having experienced it when he was young. Yo tenía un primo que estimaba mucho y vivíamos juntos en la casa de una tía. En la luz del mundo es prohibido ir al carnaval porque... I lived in my aunt's house with my cousin who was three years younger than me. The light of the world forbids going to carnivals because they're seen as pagan celebrations. But once, I decided to go to the carnival with my cousin, and while we were there, he was murdered. Some drunk kid beat him up and killed him. It was a very difficult time in my life. I corrupted him. It was my fault he had strayed. And I carried that thought with me. For decades, Sharim believed he was responsible for his cousin's death because omnipotent Samuel had seen his sinful behavior and punished him. Yo tenía como 21 años, él tenía 18. Recuerdo el carnaval es en febrero, voy en agosto a Guadalajara. When this happened, I was 21 and he was 18. This all went down in February, and I remember that in August I went to Guadalajara and I got to see Samuel up close. I remember crying to Samuel for my cousin's soul, because to me his soul was damned. Despite the smoke and mirrors he fed his followers, Samuel grew his divinity through earthly means. Under Samuel, the church expanded. In return for favors, local politicians gifted El Aldiem more land and less red tape. El Aldiem went international, from Guadalajara to all of Mexico, to Costa Rica, Ethiopia, the Netherlands, and beyond. And with more territory came more money. Which was a good thing, because as his flock grew, so did Samuel's extravagant tastes. René de la Torre remembers attending one of his birthday celebrations. I got to see Samuel very close. He was alone at his table on a chair with big golden wings. Everything was different at his table. His cups were gold, and the decoration was something like out of a thousand and one nights. It was like a theme party. That part of my field job was very revealing. On Samuel's feast day, it was very striking with women dancing and parading in front of him, in mock magic carpets, with all the imaginative trimmings of power. One of Samuel's main gifts to his congregation, his most extravagant of extravaganzas, was the building of a giant temple smack in the middle of Hermosa Provincia. Yeah, Samuel was a visionary because he wanted to do big things, even though he knew he didn't have the resources to do it. But uh, he, he told me once, if you want the church to accomplish something, you need to create a necessity, and the, the means will come after. Samuel told his congregation he wanted to build a sanctuary to honor his father and for God. But it would be difficult to build such a big, beautiful temple. Such a marvel would require lots of sacrifices. So, in order to get uh, the resources to build a church, you need to first put the need in front to the people and say, hey, we want to build a sanctuary for God. So in order to do that, we need to sacrifice everything. These sacrifices were, of course, for the followers, not for the apostle or the royal families. They were put some restriction. For instance, if you 
eat meat one or twice a, a week, stop buying meat. Just eat frijoles, you know, beans and rice. The minimal in order for you to be able to give more toward the, the common goal. Well, Silva knows it well. He was the young architect brought in to oversee the construction. The first brick was laid in 1983, and once complete, the temple would be the largest religious structure in Latin America. It looks like a multi-story wedding cake towering over everything around it. It took us from July the 3rd, 1983, and we finished unofficially in August of 1991. And I say unofficially because Samuel didn't want to declare like an official inauguration of the temple. Samuel didn't want to declare the temple complete because he didn't want to stop the flow of money pouring in from LLDM members from all over the world. He told me, if we say that we are done, they're not going to give up any more money for the construction. So just keep going and uh, we will say that uh, we, in the future, because the symbol at the top wasn't yet uh, built or uh, installed. So he said, no, no, officially we're not done yet. So keep going with the offerings, you know, every month. The new temple was literally built by the people. Members of the church offered their skills for free as mason workers, carpenters, electricians and plumbers. And those without trades offered their hands and backs, including women, children and the elderly all without insurance, overtime pay, or any of the usual labor protections mandated by law. Some paid for that loyalty and generosity with their lives. I witnessed two. I witnessed two accidents in different occasions, you know. Uh, the first one was uh, an electrician that fell from the highest part of the structure that was being built. The electrician slipped from the very top of the temple to the concrete floor, close to the altar. But Joel and other congregation members working on site were instructed that nothing, not even death, would stand in the way of the construction. So we were ordered to pick up the, the remains, put it in a wheelbarrow, and move it to another building and tell the authorities that he fell from cleaning the the tanks on the top. Joel and others moved the electrician's body to another site, away from the temple. When the authorities arrived, they seemed confused. I remember because uh, when the, um, the authorities came, they say, hey, all this happened falling from three floors? And they just scratched their heads, you know, this, this uh, was this guy made of uh, gelatin or, or yellow or what? But ultimately, they accepted LLDM's official explanation. This was the 1980s, Hermosa Provincia. By this time, the government was deep in LLDM's pockets. The two deaths Joel witnessed were not the only cover-ups during the temple's construction. But none of that mattered to the faithful. To LLDM, that building represents what the Vatican is to Catholics, or the Potala to Himalayan Buddhists. It was understood like a sacrifice for the good, you know, of the church. And the people accepted that because it was like an honor that one of their members died uh, building the, the main temple for the church, you know. So they accepted the fact and they knew, you know, the accident happens in the temple, but they knew that they weren't 
they wouldn't go to authorities to report or be, a, you know, bad news for the church. Today, the Temple of Hermosa Provincia stands taller than Guadalajara's colonial Catholic cathedral. It is truly gorgeous. On the outside, it looks like a seven-tier snow-white meringue fantasy, covered by scalloped walls that during the day act as skylights, and by night, illuminate the darkness with pastel-colored floodlights. You can see the church for miles around. Inside, it's all white marble floors and the apostles' giant initials in gold trimmings, with room for 12,000 LLDM devotees. René de la Torre says that, more than anything else, the temple cemented Samuel's legacy and rallied the faith of his followers. Entonces, haz de cuenta como que era también una especie de, de engranaje de mundo rural, muy pobre. So it was like the very poor rural world had been transplanted into the city. Very poor people. But they had a sense of belonging, of community, mutual help and safety inside the neighborhood. And the temple was, oh la la. It was a symbol that God had fulfilled his promise during Aaron's election as apostle, where he was told he had been chosen to lead his people and help them. To any doubt raised, they would point to the temple, as if to say, we can't question anything. Here is the proof that God is with us and with Samuel. It represented a new look, modernity and prosperity. That temple locked in Samuel's new charismatic identity. The temple didn't just lock in Samuel's divine identity. It also solidified his impunity. It showed Samuel the authorities were willing to look the other way when it came to building inspections, tax breaks, even death. And it showed his followers there was nothing Samuel couldn't do. Nothing he couldn't see. So in 1997, when a man named Moisés Padilla and a crew of former church members began to talk on national TV about the Apostle Samuel and his abuses, Yo estuve amenazado un promedio de dos años. Yo no tenía que hablar nada de esto. I was threatened for about two years. I was told not to talk about any of it, because Samuel had a lot of influence in the government. He had a lot of money and an entire town that wanted to hang me. LLDM devotees like Joel turned a blind eye. I didn't believe Moisés at the time. I didn't believe the girls. I began to have a lot of doubts that were, you know, piling up in my mind, in the back of my head. But still, I was defending Samuel. The church was almost a century old, three generations deep. None of the scandals before had stopped the apostles' growing power. So why would this one? It would take another decade, another apostle, and many more survivors going public for the church's divine image to start to peel. And still, It wasn't easy. And I was fucking scared. I was like, these fuckers are in some weird, powerful mafia that, and they, it's all families. They protect the business, they protect the name. And I am now fucked over because of my life of abuse and knowledge of, of Nason. That's next on Sacred Scandal. 
Sacred Scandal, La Luz del Mundo is a production of Exile Content Studio in partnership with iHeart's My Cultura Podcast Network and is hosted by me, Roberta Garza. Produced by Sabin Jansen with the help of Stella Emmett, Reynolds Gutierrez, and Ana Isabel Octavio. Written by myself and Monisa Hendricks. Research by Roberta Garza. Additional reporting by Florencia González Guerra García. Engineering by Hugo Mendoza and Sabin Jansen. Sound design by Pachi Quiñones. Original music by Patrick Hart. Edited by Ryder Alsop and Rose Reed. Executive producers are Rose Reed, Carmen Graterol, Isaac Lee, and Nando Villa. Daniel Batista oversees audio at Exile Content Studio. Our executive producers at iHeart are Giselle Vances and Arlene Santana. Sacred Scandal was created by Melanie Bartlett and Paula Barros. Special thanks to the voice actors in this episode and Sonic Union. For more podcasts, go to the iHeartRadio app or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Si tienes ciertas afecciones crónicas como enfermedad cardíaca, asma, diabetes y tienes 19 años o más, 52, 36, 42, puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar 20, vacuna conjugada antinomocósica 20 valente, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar20. Between recording the next episode of my podcast, running a business, and all of the things life throws my way, sometimes it's good to just get away. Hola, ¿qué tal? It's Chiquis here, and let me tell you, I love booking a trip where I can escape. There's nothing like spending a few days at the beach, relaxing and spending time with family. No matter what kind of traveler you are, and no matter your reasons, the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.